Well, hey everyone, how are you? Whether you're in Lake Cities or Denton or joining us online, I just, my name is Toby, I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you to our first service of 2019. We always look forward to this weekend. I know I do personally uh, here. How many of you are ready to get back into a routine and like quit eating sugar and like know what day of the week it is? So that, that's kind of what this weekend signifies at a surface level, but two reasons that I really look forward to this weekend at Cross Rivers. One is, is you may not know this, but this is our birthday. This is our birthday weekend at Cross Rivers. We're 19 years old this weekend. 19 years. You know, really, I think birthdays, I'm trying to teach my grandkids this right now, birthdays ought to be celebrated, but they ought to be celebrated because every birthday is a symbol of God's faithfulness in our lives. And uh, I stand here today crying every year because I'm overwhelmed with God's faithfulness for 19 years and believing beyond a shadow of a doubt that our best days are not behind us. Our best days are in front of us. I do not long for the good old days. These are the good old days. I believe it with all of my heart. And so I am grateful to celebrate our birthday. I'm also grateful for the fact that every year on the first weekend of the new year is I share a word for the year with us here at Cross Timbers. For those of you who may be new, uh, I take very seriously in my role here uh, the responsibility to, beginning in September, October, ask the Lord to show me what should be a focus for us in the year that is to come. And I just need you to know, because some of you don't know me, that I'm not looking for a cool theme. I'm not looking for something creative. I want to hear the Lord say, that this is where we ought to head as a church family. And sometimes the words that we've gotten have been a lot of fun. And sometimes, like last year, it wasn't so fun. Last year, our word for 2018 was the word, come on, somebody help me. Uncomfortable, Uncomfortable, which sounded really cool in January and by December, just stunk, man, right? But we took a journey together, and we began to understand that the freedom we're looking for comes when we begin to not endure but embrace the uncomfortable, and God is at work. And so I feel like I've heard clearly from the Lord. I've tested this. You know, when you hear from God, you need to go to other godly people and ask them to be praying with you. So I go to our elders who are my accountability here, and the other elders that served with me a couple of months ago, I gave them, I said, I'm sensing this is where the Lord has taken us in 2019, and they affirmed it. And so I want to share it with you this weekend. But before I do, I want to even peel back another layer kind of behind the scenes of what happens here. In beginning in October, some of our staff leaders begin working really hard to build some objectives and some areas of focus for the new year. And it's about a two-month process of determining together where are we going to focus our efforts in the year that is to come. And most of the time, we never talk to you about those things. Uh, We just begin to work with our teams and begin to build those things. And this year, I thought, in the month of January, I'd tell you two or three places uh, that we're going to be really investing our time and our energy in 2019. So you could be praying with us about it, okay? So the one I want to tell you about this weekend is this, is we are settling out in 2019 to invest in the lives of difference makers here at Cross Timbers. We, We believe that... Our vision of 10,000 spirit-filled, baptized believers walking in freedom, committed to meeting the needs of the poor and broken, both locally and around the world, is just God's way of telling us that 
His dream for us is that we might build 10,000 kingdom difference makers. That there would be 10,000 people that would believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. And then he put you in the neighborhood, the dormitory, the apartment, the office building, that he divinely placed you for at this moment in time so that you might be able to make a kingdom difference, that Christ in you might flow out of you in a way that people through your life would be influenced for God's kingdom. We believe that with all of our heart. And because I believe that's the way the world changes. Your world changes not because churches get fuller, but because people begin to believe that they can make a difference for the glory of God in the place that they've been planted. And so I'm, we're selling out this year uh, to invest in you, to equip you, encourage you, and to do everything we can do to help you become the difference maker that God created you to be. A couple of ways this year that we're going to do it. Number one... Uh, we're going to begin today to distribute out. Your campus leaders will tell you about it, but we've got a journal for 2019. And uh, they're going to tell you a little bit more about it. This is a more in-depth journal than we had last year. It is an invitation for you to engage with Cross Timbers and with some of the things we're teaching and doing seven days a week. And so I'm going to encourage you to get one of those. Uh, They'll tell you about it in a few moments. Get one of those and begin to personally begin to invest in this process. If you've been to our pathway, you've heard us say that difference makers take responsibility for their growth. That, that difference makers are they're people who are committed to personal growth. So I want to encourage you to get a journal. But the big thing that I'm excited about this year is this weekend I'm announcing in all of our campuses, we're going to begin what we're calling 10K Tuesdays. You know, our vision is 10,000 leaders. And so once a month, on Tuesday nights, we're going to be having a service specifically designed for people who have become a difference maker, who want to become a difference maker. We're going to have some powerful worship. We're bringing in a lineup of speakers to work with me, to invest in you. I don't want to give you any of those names yet, but I'm telling you, our first one is on January 15th. Turn to your neighbor and say January 15th. Okay, so don't show up next Tuesday wondering why we didn't do it. It's January the 15th. Then it's going to go the first Tuesday of every month. We're going to have a service. We're going to have CT Kids programming for your kids. I'm telling you, we're pushing our cards in the middle of the table so that you might have an, a service experience together specifically designed for people to help encourage them to become difference makers. So I'm excited about this effort and this focus in 2019. I know many of you want to pray with me about it as well. Now, to our word for the year. Was that fast enough? Did I, go, I was trying to talk fast. Okay, thanks. I've got one brother that encouraged me. The rest of y'all, y'all need to get convicted by this brother. But uh, if you have a Bible, a smartphone, I'm going to use my iPad because my progressives need to get uh, adjusted. Uh, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. I want to tell you about our word for the year and invite you into something. But before I do that, I need to tell you a story. Okay. John chapter 16 is an important chapter in the life of Christ. But to understand what's happening in John 16, you need to understand what is beginning to happen in John chapter 13. Jesus and his disciples have headed back to the holy city to celebrate the Passover. Now, when I say celebrate, I want you to understand that the Passover was a party. Everyone came together. 
Uh, I'm going to tell you something, man. The Israelites, they, the, the Jews, they knew, they knew how to party, man. They would come together and have these long extended feasts. And it was, it was, it was yes, it was honoring God, but it was celebrating revelry in the fact that God was a God who delivered. And uh, so they're coming into the city. It's something they had looked forward to all year. All of these hundreds of thousands of people coming to celebrate the Passover together. You know how you spoil a party? Just give some people some bad news. You know, you really want to spoil a party when you got a lot of people that are anticipating and excited about what you're doing. Just say, hey, by the way, I'm going to die. And tell, and, and, and I tell you what, the air will go out of the balloon in your party. I mean, they come to the city and it's nothing that they expect. They gather around a table expecting a Passover celebration. And Jesus begins by looking at one of his 12 closest friends and saying, you're going to betray me. Now, can you imagine what that'd be like if one of your closest friends around it, can you imagine the room beginning to go quiet? One of you is going to sell me out. This is, this is about to go south and you're going to sell me out. And then there's one of these 12 who has the problem that many of us have. He engages his mouth before his brain is fully in gear. And he pops up and says, well, I don't know who's going to betray you, but it ain't going to be me. And Jesus looks at this one that had been so close to him. And he said to him, I'll tell you something before the rooster crows three times. You're going to deny me. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And the party kind of just falls apart. Because they can't get past the shock of the news of their king telling them that he was about to die. Have you ever gotten bad news and had a hard time focusing on anything else? Anybody besides me? This past Tuesday night, I'm watching the Sugar Bowl, which I didn't think was going to be a very good game. And I'm, the more I'm watching it, the more I'm thinking, this is unbelievable what's happening in this game. And I'm... I'm, I'm kind of surprised how much I'm caring about it. I'm Micah, look at this, and we're watching this, and we're, I mean, I'm complete, and then my phone rings, and I'm thinking, why is my daughter calling me in the middle of a football game? That's what I'm thinking. And I answer the phone, and her tearful voice says, Dad, I need you to pray. We're taking Gideon to the mercy room. And he's fine, he's, he, he's fine, but he was, she was really scared. And do, do you know how little I cared about that football game? If you'd asked me what the final score was, if you'd asked me what the announcer had to say, if you'd asked me about Sam Ellinger after the game, what he said, I had no idea. The TV is rolling, but I ain't hearing nothing. I am so shocked by bad news. You hear what I'm saying? This is where the disciples find themselves in John chapter 16. And Jesus senses it. He's been telling them some very important things. And we come in John chapter 16, and Jesus, because he understands human nature, says this. He says, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They'll put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Now listen to this. I have told you this so that when the time comes... You will remember that I warned you. 
I didn't tell you this at first because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Well, they didn't ask him where he was going because they were so shocked that he said he was leaving. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Then he says this crazy thing, but I tell you this, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What you think is a bad thing is really a good thing. So let me just break this down for you. He says, <coughs> I know you're grieving. I know you're shocked. But unless I go away, he says, the counselor. Everybody say counselor. It's an interesting word in the original Greek language. Can I teach you a little Greek today? Everybody just say, yeah, I'm going to teach you some Greek. This word counselor in the original Greek language, only John, when he writes the gospel, uses this word. And in English, the word is paraclete. Everybody say paraclete. I didn't say parakeet. I said paraclete. And I'm not talking about what you used in high school when you were playing football. A paraclete. A paraclete. This word's used four times, and it's a word, listen to this, it's a word, this is the English version of this Greek word, which literally means called beside or alongside to help. Okay, you with me? Yes, sir. Paraclete. Unless I go, I can't call somebody beside you to help you. Now, it's interesting because this paraclete, this helper that comes beside, um, Jesus says in the NIV version, which is what we use around here in teaching, is he says, it's for your good. It's for your good. If you're a new American Standard Version reader, or you like the King James which is hard for me to understand, he would say this, it's to your advantage that I go away. The Amplified Version says it's expedient if I go away. But you guys know me, I'm a message version of the Bible, aren't I? And it says it this way. He says... I missed it. It's, he says, it's better for you if I go away. And the word for the year at Cross Timbers is better. It's better for you. Now, look at me, because I love you. Some of you look at me. I didn't say easier. I said better. It's better for you if I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send the counselor. The message verse says, I can't send your friend. I can't send this advocate. But it's better 
And the question, just two questions this weekend as we kind of launch this out. First question is this. How in the world could he say it's better? I can't imagine looking at somebody I love and saying, I'm about to die, but trust me, it's better. Not you'll get over it. Not somebody will be with you, but it's better. And he says that he's telling us the truth, that it's better for him to go away. Why? Well, in John 14, which they're not hearing because they're so grieved about him saying he's dying, it's the first place we see this word paraclete. We see him begin to talk about the counselor. And he says this in John 14, 17. He says, the counselor that I'm sending, the paraclete I'm sending, don't miss this. He's going to live with you and will be in you. That what Jesus is promising for people who believe that there is available to you a person with power that will walk beside you, will live in you, and when you need it most, will come upon you and give you a power that you do not possess. And Jesus says, unless I go away, you can't receive it, and it's better. John 14, 26 says that he's going to teach you and remind you of everything that I told you. Which I think is pretty interesting because I think what Jesus is saying is this. He's going to help you apply my teaching to your specific situation in life. That when, see one of the reasons we encourage you to be reading the Bible taking responsibility for your growth is because when you read the Bible, you are, giving a, you, are, you are building a foundation upon which the Holy Spirit can work in your life. Holy Spirit comes in you and beside you and upon you to equip you to apply God's truth to your specific situation. He's going to teach you and remind you. And then he says earlier in John 16 that he is going to guide you. And hear me, he's going to speak to you. When we talk about hearing God's voice, when we teach you in our pathway how to hear God's voice, what we're talking about is you begin to train your heart and your mind to hear God's voice through the person of Holy Spirit in your life. So you have someone who will help you apply truth. You have someone who will always be with you, in you, and will come upon you. And you have your own personal GPS system in your life. Now think about this. Now I know some of you that are not of my generation. I mean, how many of you at all of our camps, you from the fold up the map in your daddy's dashboard Glove box, that's what it is. You remember those days? And like we had this, I know some of you aren't going to believe this. 
are like, what are you talking about? We had paper maps when we were going places. And mom and dad almost lawyered up sometimes. They get into a fight about which, because, you know, the map, no, turn left here, turn right here. And uh, to this day, my father is like, well, well, can you send me the address so I can pull out my map? Dad, you have a thing called GPS. I'm going to tell you something. On the eighth day, God created navigational systems. Because you just put in an address. And here's the great thing about it. Like, you don't have to think about it anymore. If you'll listen, it will take you exactly where you were destined to be taken. It's going to tell you what time is going to get there. It's going to tell you about the traffic. It's going to warn you about things ahead of you. Do you understand? This is supernaturally what God is promising in Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> that he will guide you with his truth. Will see things in front of you. That because he intimately knows you will help you avoid. And will get you to your destiny at just the right time. Or you can keep trying to figure it out on your own. It can be another new year with another set of goals and resolutions. That new treadmill you bought, it'll be, it'll be your personal closet by April. You, you can try harder thinking this is going to be the time. Or you can accept Jesus' invitation to something better. So I've thought about for you and for me. Many times, uh, I mean, what I'm giving most of you is not new information. And the question is, if this invitation for his disciples is an invitation for us, why haven't we taken him up on his invitation more? I got a couple of thoughts. Can I give them to you? Sure. Thanks. Number one, I would say this, as I think about this. I broke this thing, didn't I? I could, thank you. You know what keeps me from better? Pretty good. The greatest enemy to better is good enough. Now listen to me, look at me. There is a difference between being content and being satisfied. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of more. There is more power, more authority, more of an ability to overcome than you have experienced. But good is an enemy to better if we settle for good. 
You know, I've said this. I've talked about this for years. I just, it's so appropriate. I was talking to our staff about this the other day. And if you've been here very long, you've heard me talk about parenting. And I've said, you know, parenting is really just a series of painful releasings. And, and, and uh, I still have experienced those. I still experience those. When my grandkids go back to Mississippi, I remember those words. And if I'm sad about it, my close friends remind me of those words. And I hate them very much for reminding me about what I said. Uh, but when Jesus says that unless you can't be born again, unless you, you, you can't inherit the kingdom of God unless you're born again, he's talking about this concept of letting go of something good. So that you can receive something better. And I've never seen it more clearly than in the area of parenting. As a slightly past middle-aged old man who have raised my kids, who now have their families of their own, I look back and can tell you that the enemy to me experiencing God's best has been me striving the old season and I never can walk into a new season. In fact, two years ago Mike and I, three years ago, Mike and I we started this little thing with some dear friends that we called Empty Nest University and it was a big big joke. We started with some of our friends that are here in this service today but there's been several couples and we've taken the first week and they take their last kid off to school and say, okay, we're going to teach you how to be empty nesters because we want them to look at us and say, hey, guess what? I mean, they really love their life. And I tell you, it breaks my heart to watch some people who when their last kid leaves the house, it's like they're miserable for the rest of their days. They're grasping for that season when God has a new season for them. I've loved every season of raising my kids, but I can say with integrity, every new season has been better and deeper and richer than the season it was before. But unless I'm willing to let go of the season that was behind, I can never step into what God has next for me. And my life, not just my parenting, but my life, the, the, the theme over my life is that when I let go of something good for the sake of the kingdom, God always gives me something better. But many times, let's just be really honest, what keeps us from better is good enough. Now, some of you I'm talking to, you go, man, you don't understand how crappy my 2018 was. I mean, I'm ready for anything other than what I experienced in 2008. Well, I have great news for you. I'm telling you, look at me. God has something better for you in 2019. And then there are some of you who go, oh, man, I got my life wired. I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of my career. Uh, God's lucky to have me on his team. I'm deeply spiritual. My life's going on. So listen to me. God has something more for you. But it's going to require the courage to let go of something in the past so you can step into your future. See, at its core, what I think better really is, it's, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. It's it's. It's when we move for, for living what many of us have been taught in church. You're going to live for something, and you start living from something. 
I mean, some of, so many of us were taught, you got to live for God, you got to live for God, you got to live for God. Look at me. You read the Bible, you don't live for God, you live from God that lives in you. You don't strive for something, you live out of the reality of something. Because any intimate, close relationship, the thing that holds it back is one party in that relationship trying to do something to earn something that the partner has already promised them. I mean, you think about this. In a, you show me a friendship. It will never, a relationship that matters will never fully matter until I'm in a relationship with you for what I can add to this relationship, not what you can give me. That I, You show me a marriage. My marriage, while not perfect, and while I've been honest about challenges, even over the last couple of years, my marriage shifted when my marriage became, I want to do this not so that you will love me, but because you love me. Because I'm committed to the entity of this relationship. That's what it means when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love doesn't keep score. It's living from something, not for something. You don't live for God's power. You live out of God's power. That's why Paul said Christ in you is the hope of glory. You have more power than you think you have. You have more authority than you think you have. There's more in front of you than you think. Your best days are not behind you. I don't care if you're 97 or 7. Your best days are in front of you. Why? Because God resides in you. Because God, through the person of Holy Spirit, walks beside you. And because we need him most, he comes upon you and gives you an unction and ability to do something you could never do on your own. Don't settle for anything less than better. So question number two. What does a better life really look like? I mean, we want pictures, right? Not principles. We want pictures. I got great news for you. You're going to spend 2019... We're going to spend time in God's Word. I'm going to show you what a better life looks like. We're going to begin next weekend working our way through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is simply a picture of what happens when what Jesus promised his disciples happens in their life. Now, everybody, we're going to see some wild and crazy things. We're going to see some things that are descriptive. We're going to see some things that are prescriptive. But we're going to dig down and we're going to begin to understand in today's world, 2019, what does it look like to walk in and with and through the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we partner with God to experience the promise of our destiny? What does it look like to find, follow, know, and do and to become everything God has called us to be? What does a better life look like? Trust me. It won't be what you think. And I'm just asking you to consider this first weekend of 2019. Would you consider the possibility of better I'm asking you to do better. I'm asking you to experience better. 
I'm not asking you to try harder. I'm asking you to trust someone. I'm asking some of you that have been hurt, disappointed in the past to take a deep old breath and step into your future. I'm asking you to believe again in the reality of a person called Holy Spirit that can fill you and empower you in ways that you have not ever begun to ask or imagine. I'm asking you to join Peter and John in surrendering to a harder and a better life than you could have ever thought possible and watching God transform your character. I'm just looking for somebody who's willing to be willing this weekend. Is that you? So we're going to do what we do here a lot. We're going to pray and begin this journey together towards better. Now, if you don't normally come here, you're new around here, there's something I invite people to do all the time, and it's just to open their hands. And it's just there's nothing like, it's kind of weird, I know, but it, it's nothing, it's just a symbolic that we're willing to be willing for God to take us places he's never taken us before so that we can become something for him that we've never been before. So we're going to close our eyes and we're going to bow our heads again just so people can have a private moment. And I'm going to ask God to come and fill those of you who believe that Jesus is who he said he was with the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. So, Father, even before I could invite the reality of your Holy Spirit to come and invade our lives, I would want to pray for those among us who've never surrendered to Jesus. (laughs) And that this would be a moment that they would say, Jesus, I give you my life. And that's really all you got to say. You don't have to say that. Well, just in your arms and say, Jesus, I give you my life. And you can join us in this moment. Those of you who just said that, you can join us in this moment in this prayer. Holy Spirit, we invite you. I just feel like some of you right now, you're, you're needing to be honest with God and say this. Like, this scares me a little bit. I'm not really sure where this is headed. But I'm willing to be willing. Lord, I thank you for inviting us into something better than we've been experiencing. Anybody in? If you're in on something better, just lift your hand. Just, Lord, I'm in on something better.
I don't, I don't need to be improved. I want to be recreated. I don't want to do better. I want to be transformed. I want all the power you, you promised me, all the authority you've given me. I, I want to walk in it. I'm going to be a better daddy and a better papa and a better husband because you are in me. I want to live more of an overcoming life than I've ever lived because you live in me. And when life gives me more than I can handle this year, I want to trust that you're going to come upon me. And when I feel isolated and alone and ashamed, I want to remember that you walk beside me. So come, Holy Spirit, and begin your work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.